Hey, welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast where we discuss the myths, the misconceptions, and the most asked questions about sex trafficking. I'm Adam, and today I am joined once again by Micah Gamboa, the executive director of Elijah Rising. Welcome, Micah. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. You know, as we were preparing for this show today, I realized, Micah, that you um, have been on the podcast a number of times. In fact, you're on episode one, but we've never actually introduced you. I mean, I keep saying that you're the executive director. It's fine. Which it's is fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but there might be some in the audience, either watching or listening right now, that don't really know a whole lot about you or your background or what it means sure. to even be an executive director. So I just want to ask a series of very rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. How long have you been in the field of anti-trafficking work? Um, same as you, about 10 years now, believe That's it or not. That's right. We kind of got started together, didn't we? We did, yeah. A decade ago. Hmm. It's hard to believe that, though. <laughs> How long have you been the executive director of Elijah Rising? I have been the ED now for three years. I was operations director before that. So I've been with the organization for my entire duration yeah. in anti-trafficking. Awesome. And so, last question for you. What does an average day in the office look like for the executive director? Okay. Um, there is no average day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I anticipated that would be your first answer. Yeah. Um, yeah, there is no average day. I mean, it could be anything from planning an event or like a gala to um, meeting with donors or prospective yeah. donors or partners, NGOs, um, working with law enforcement or even politicians to craft legislation. Um, a number of in-office activities might look like overseeing staffs, overseeing strategy and finances, budgets, yeah. all of that kind of thing. But we've also been blessed with multiple campuses. Right. So there's a lot of just like infrastructure and purchasing buildings and rehabbing and working with contractors. So it is a whole range of things, but um, it, it's wonderful. I can honestly say that I love every aspect of my job. Yeah. Um, it brings out very, like the business side, but also the very creative side. And so I yeah. love merging those two worlds together. I noticed that you conveniently left out uh, corralling Adam, Sam, and David. So <laughs> um, we appreciate the creative team. We appreciate that. Um, so this is a season of gratitude. You know, at the time yeah. of this recording, Thanksgiving is, um, I guess, just a week away. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Um, so we wanted to take this opportunity. Uh, on the podcast to make an episode where we thank our partners. Mm -hmm. We thank our followers, our donors, our volunteers, the subscribers to the podcast. Um, so let's just start there. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for your support. Thank you for uh, being who you are. We couldn't do this without you. Do you want to say anything? Yeah, uh, no, uh, I completely you. second that. I mean, we actually really feel passionately about that we are too sides of the same coin, so to speak. Like yeah. we could not do the work that we do without our partners. Um, but also in turn, like our partners sometimes own businesses and run churches and like, the, you know, this sure. isn't their day to day. And so I love that we get to, um, kind of co-labor in this. Mm. And um, we really do just appreciate you guys in any form that you are jumping into the anti-trafficking movement, even yeah. if you're just becoming aware. Thank you for listening. Thank you for um, being willing to step into this sometimes very dark issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so thank you. Um, the question we're asking today on the podcast is, how does Elijah Rising mm -hmm. invest the community's resources? So we've just thanked our donors, our partners, um, and some of you don't invest dollars, you invest time, you yeah. invest, I mean, clicking subscribe on the podcast is a huge way that you, you know, benefit um, and support the work that we're doing. So we want to, I want to ask you, the executive mm -hmm. director, now that we know what you do, um, <laughs> 
well, I want to talk about how we're investing these resources. So let's sure. let's before we get into kind of the minute details mm-hmm. of that, which we will uh, throughout the podcast. Uh, first, let's start with the issue as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Sex trafficking is this widespread injustice that exists all over the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're aware that you know Houston is a hub. Um, sex trafficking is the world's second largest criminal enterprise, and there are tens of millions of people that mm-hmm. are being exploited and sold right now as we're recording. So what's Elijah Rising's approach to this very big problem? We're a small organization. Mm-hmm. What's our approach to this big problem? Yeah, so you know, we take, when you, even when you were saying that, I kind of thought, wow, I think some people listening might start to feel overwhelmed, Yeah. right? It's, it is millions Sometimes of we feel overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we've got to come back to the center and go, okay, Jesus, what mm-hmm. do you have us do, right? And so for us, we have, it's that, uh, what is it, Jerusalem, Judea, and then Samaria kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. And so we've taken Houston or the region um, as our Jerusalem. Mm. And so we're starting there. And yes, we're at grassroots level. We're impacting, we're reaching, we're um, encountering the public, we're reaching women and, and individuals in the sex industry every single day. Yeah. And so really, I think it comes back to Jesus really didn't ask us to change the world. Like that was never a mandate. That's something that we take on as a false yoke. Mm. And so that's when the overwhelm and the anxiety and all of that starts to come. And so, but what he did say was love your neighbor, Mm. right? Love one another, love your neighbor, love the people that are in your community. And so that's where we're starting. Um, And by doing so, and this isn't, this isn't like an egotistical thing or it's going to say, I just don't want it to sound like that, but we have seen, through the little actions that we take, right, in a regional basis, we've seen so many, and I want to say we're maybe less than a dozen, but around eight to ten or something, different NGOs or organizations, ministries, and even churches have yeah. sprung up from just the awareness efforts that we've done. Yeah. And so to me, that is a profound outpouring that we, even just following that simple mandate of love your neighbor, impact your community, yeah. you really don't know the reach that you are are reaching, right? And yeah, we yeah. know um, just from a little bit of uh, feedback, we've reached uh, almost all 50 states, and we know even the countries nationwide or globally. So anyway, that was a, it was a long qu- uh, answer to your question, but we do that through prayer, awareness, intervention, and restoration, restoration. here. Yeah. It, internally, we kind of sometimes talk about Elijah Rising as being a bridge, mm-hmm. um, where what we mean by that is like a bridge between concerned citizens, maybe some are listening or watching today, uh, a bridge between the citizen and the exploited. Mm. And so how do you think about the organization playing that role as a, as a bridge between those two populations? Yeah, I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Mm. Um, we exist to be a bridge from us, obviously what we're doing into the community at large, the public churches, businesses, even uh, government uh, entities, um, and build on-ramps for them to get engaged and make a meaningful impact in yeah. the issue of anti-trafficking. So a lot of times, I mean, we didn't know when we started even how to do that, right? Nope. So we want to build those on-ramps for people. And then we also exist to be a bridge to individuals in our communities who are being exploited, who are in the midst of sexual exploitation. Yeah. And so we want to help those two groups kind of find their way, one into the issue and the other out of the issue. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, you know, one thing that's hard is that sometimes, a lot of times, the majority of times, our partners, 
don't really get to interact yeah, with the population true. that we serve. Yeah, and so we have to be really good. And I think we're getting better at communicating stories, testimonies on both sides to both groups. Yeah, that's so important. Um, and it's been a bit of a challenge this year mm-hmm. too, right? I yes. mean, with the pandemic and not being able to run van tours, not being able to give volunteers an on-ramp with uh, intervention and things like that. Um, so I heard, you, I heard you say, you know, we have to work really hard mm-hmm. at being that bridge. And this year has proven to be one of the hardest years, but yeah. I feel like we've done it rather su- successfully to continue even just in messaging and communicating. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you pointed out sharing those testimonies, those stories from both populations yeah. and how they overlap. You know, one of the goals, I start every podcast this way, but one of the goals of the podcast is to ask or to answer those most frequently asked questions that mm-hmm. we receive about the work of ending sex trafficking. Some of those are kind of macro questions. Mm-hmm. Some of those are micro. And what I mean by that is like very Elijah Rising specific. Mm-hmm. And so one of the most frequently asked questions that I receive, and, and I know that you do too, uh, is about how we fund this thing, like mm-hmm. how we raise money and how we spend that, that money. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you know, organizational transparency yep. is, a, is a really high value here at Elijah Rising, yeah. uh, I think it's important to answer those questions mm-hmm. here today as we're saying thank you, mm-hmm. as we're reflecting on a crazy year. Um, yeah. So where does the funding to run Elijah Rising, to mm-hmm. do all these programs, prayer awareness, intervention, restoration, where does the funding come from? Yes. So we have been extremely blessed. Yeah. I mean, and I'll just no say doubt. this year... You know, about March, April, we were looking at the budget going, how can we slash this, uh right? Because we don't have any guarantee. We're not, you know, at that time we had never received any government funding. And so even today we still haven't. So, you know, yeah. So what are we going to do? Right. Um, But I can honestly say that through the support, the incredibly generous and sacrificial, I'm sure, support of of many of you watching, listening, um, our supporters, we've actually been able to weather this storm very successfully. Um, It's not a breakthrough year by any means, but that's okay. Right. Um, And I'll say this too, because of the years of work to make us a fiscally sound and, 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 uh, stewardship, responsibility, oversight, governance, all of those things, making sure that we had a buffer, we're able to weather this year. So we're really, really genuinely appreciative. Um, So where does our funding actually come from? Um, Most of our support actually comes from the Houston region, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because we're kind of a grassroots organization. Um, But we also do have supporters from around the world. That's true. Uh, There, it's a handful. It's a sprinkle. (laughs) But um, and even with this podcast, we're starting to reach the globe, and so that's really exciting. Um, I think that there's more of that to come, especially as we and others really tap into this new kind of global economy, if you will, this new global way of communicating. So I think there's more to come with that. Um, But specifically, our supporter base uh, comes from 65% individuals, so households, um, 35% churches, and then that includes like businesses and foundations make up that 35%. So that's kind of us in a nutshell. Yeah. One of the things I often tell people when I get this question is like, I'm really proud to say that the the majority, really the vast majority of our funding comes from individual givers and most of the time, small dollar donations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just want to like take a second here in the podcast and say like, if you, one of the things we want to do with this podcast is, is, is show people 
that everyone has a place in this work. Everyone has a place in this fight. Like we do this professionally. Um, but you know, and so maybe you think, well, I can't actually affect this if I'm not like on the staff of an anti-trafficking organization. Mm. It's not true. Like a $10 a month donation, um, changes everything. That's right. It makes a massive difference. Mm -hmm. And that, that really is the bulk of, of what our support looks like. And so it makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Mm -hmm. Every dollar really does count. Um, Especially the churches. We just want to say thank you to the churches. I mean, we believe that the church um, can and should and and has has the most potential and Mm -hmm. the most responsibility uh, to carry this and, and to make a difference. Yeah. Um, what, what does Joe always call one of our uh, partner organizations? Yeah. Like this is the sleeping giant. The, the church, church is the wakes giant. up. Right. She can literally impact massive social change. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you. If, yeah. if you're, you know, a pastor or even just somebody on a church board mm-hmm. or leading a small group, leading a prayer group at your church, we want to say thank you to yeah. you as well. Yeah. Um, again, you know, we're saying thanks today, mm-hmm. um, and we're so thankful to all of those of you who have chosen to sacrifice and invest in the work to end trafficking. Yeah. And we do, we really do take that partnership seriously. Um, so I want to ask you, Micah, like, what does stewardship mean? What does stewardship mean for kind of you personally, but but really, like, what does it mean for the organization? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we steward people's sacrificial gifts? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, well, first of all, I mean, we are committed to stewardship, right? Yeah. Biblical stewardship, honoring, walking out these gifts with integrity. And so every dollar, it's not like we're a business, even though we operate like a business, sure. right? With effective protocols and fiscal transparency and governance and oversight. Um but every, we can't say, you know what, we created this thingy and now we're earning our wage. Every single dollar that we get is a gift. Yeah. I mean, pure and simple, it's a gift. And so that brings along with it kind of like a deeper, higher level of accountability. For I think, sure. you know, uh, in, that comes from internal, but also comes from the Lord. Mm. And so that's a response that we have to come up to the Lord and say, you know, we want to elevate our level of um, accountability, of transparency and stewardship and oversight because we are just handling this. Like we're just a pass through and people are trusting us that their dollars are actually going to be impacting real people, making real change. Um, And so, you know, one thing that I noticed whenever I came on board, our transition, right, from Mm -hmm. operations to executive director, I don't know that we ever really thanked our donors before. Wow. And so I was, you know, saddened, horrified, kind of disappointed, but also, you know, you grow, you make mistakes, right, as an organization. So one of the first things I wanted to do personally is go back to our supporters um, and just let them know how amazing they were, yeah. how incredible, and what their dollars actually were doing and contributing to. And so we try to do that better now. We have a much better system of Absolutely. communication, yeah. right? <laughs> but we are also committed to, you know, we have this, we're committed to best practices, right? Mm-hmm. We've undergone a very um, deep and dramatic transformation in the last three years, but it doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Like we haven't reached the pinnacle, right? So we sure. are committed to lifelong learning. We're committed to excellence. We're committed to fiscal responsibility and stewardship and transparency. I say those words a lot yeah. um, because it is something that we're passionate about. Yeah. And we also know that we have to keep learning. Mm-hmm. We have to keep progressing and we have to keep implementing these standards across the board. And so, you know, 
again, I would say this to you, you know, like we can't do this without our funders. Right. We can't. And so, you know, if you look at Jesus's ministry, he had supporters and people don't really talk about that very much, mm. but he had women who followed him and gave him money, yeah. quite honestly, you know, yeah. um, if you look at the history of revivals, there were always funders, funders who yeah. made it happen, brought the chairs in, got the tent, you know, <laughs> made it possible for these things to go on. And so in order to see that deep, uh, societal transformational impact, we need each other. Um, And so we're kind of doing something hybrid where we are operating like a business, but we're also a ministry. And so we're merging those two models, right? Um, And so again, I just, it's really important to us um, in everything that we do, not just with money, but also with volunteer hours, with in-kind donations, with our own time and energy. We want to be as efficient and well-run as possible. Um, And we're completely open uh, open books. So any partner, any donor, anyone can come to us and find their records and look into our books. And yeah. I think that um, th- there's nothing to hide, right? There should never be anything to hide. And so we welcome that kind of level of accountability. Yeah. And it's not just like, it's important to say like, we take our accountability to our donors very seriously. Yeah. We take our accountability to um, those that we serve, our clients, very seriously. Yeah. Um, it should also be said that we take accountability to God very seriously. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, we are, we are, you know, we're a faith-based nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, yeah. you know, that's not a secret either. Um, and so that accountability is multi-leveled. Absolutely. And if we don't take that seriously at any one of those levels, uh, we are failing that's if I may so be so bold, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that is so true. It's like a stool, right? You break one leg yeah. and it's all going to fail. So exactly. I think that's a really good, and you know, I think that's why even like running a nonprofit can be harder yeah. than running a business. Sure. I think personally you don't get, <laughs> I have run a business before. I think it's, it's harder because you have two very distinct stakeholder yeah. groups that you're trying to, um, cater to is not the right terminology, but serve, Surf. right? And yeah. so anyway, that's just a personal side note. We're going to take a break in the podcast. And when we come back, uh, we're going to keep the conversation going and get even a little bit more in depth on uh, how we invest the resources of our supporters. So stick with us. We'll see you after the break. When we began to face the issue of sex trafficking, we were devastated by the number of survivors who struggled to find lasting and safe employment. We realized that a major part of the recovery process had to be economic empowerment. The women that we serve have survived immense harm, but their resilience and strength inspire us every day. These women are creators, innovators, and visionaries. They deserve the freedom to thrive and pursue their greatness. At Elijah Rising, we create hand-built goods that empower women who have survived human trafficking. We know that you're gonna love what we make at Elijah Rising Goods because we believe in the goods that we create and we believe in the amazing women that produce them. Hey, welcome back to the Elijah Rising podcast. Uh, so Micah, in the first segment of the podcast, we talked about, you know, kind of how, like where the funding for Elijah Rising comes from. Um, so now I kind of want to flip the coin, mm-hmm. so to speak. 
um, and ask, how does Elijah Rising invest the community's resources? Mm -hmm. So those gifts that we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. How are the expenses of the organization kind of broken out? What does Mm -hmm. that look like for Elijah Rising? Okay, so we can kind of dive, do a deeper dive into the numbers if we want. But generally, our kind of overall annual budget is broken Mm -hmm. out into about about 70% programming. um, And that includes like all of our awareness and outreach activities, our restoration campus, all the things that we do programming-wise. Yeah. to reach and restore and all that stuff. Um, and then it, it kind of varies year to year, right? Um, let's see, 2020, we're roughly about 15 to 20% operations costs. Okay. Um, and what is that, like what is operations? Yeah, so that's, that's like the overhead, the electricity, mm-hmm. the printer, the building costs, things like that. Now, the tricky thing about that is that all of our programming activities happen in those spaces, right? Right. right. And so um, that's where it's a little bit misleading. It's like, oh, that's overhead. Well, no, operations, you know, I like to think about it as concentric circles Mm -hmm. or like if you, um, if you kind of view like, what is it called? Like an archery um, goal. Oh my gosh, I'm not a target, an archery target. (laughs) I think we're looking for the word target. If you view it as a target, um, that inner circle, that inner kind of concentric circle is yeah. operations or administrative costs, right? And so as you go out, those are programming expenses. But Got if it. you increase the operation cost, it actually supports all of the other programming. So then right. those can increase. And so that's the way I kind of like to explain it. Um, and then uh, lastly, it's anywhere from like 5 to 10% is fundraising expenses. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And um, I think you said in the first part of the podcast, you know, like we're an open organization. Like if mm-hmm. you want to ask more questions about that, if you want to read a 990, mm-hmm. like absolutely, they're on our website. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you can find it on GuideStar and things like that as well. Uh, you know, a, a deeper dive into those numbers, as you said. So, okay, here's another question we okay. often get. All right. Um, and we've done a number of podcasts on the restorative care uh, program that we do here at Elijah Rising where we serve uh, women who are uh, in their process of restoration from sexual exploitation. That's a really expensive program. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's the most expensive program that we run. So why? Like, yeah. why, why does that cost so much? Why is that the biggest piece of the pie? That's a great question. Okay, so first of all, I want to kind of go back and lay a foundation. You said something about it's so expensive. Yeah. Okay, so here's the only thing I would say. I think it's a kingdom principle to say that at any cost, every life deserves a chance to be restored. Yeah. I think Jesus modeled that on the cross. I think he said no matter the, he didn't, he didn't give stipulations to say, love your neighbor. Mm. You know what I mean? And he is going to give everything to have all of us restored at the end of the age, right? All of the earth is going to be restored. So I think that it's all relative mm. for us as a $1.5 million a year organization. We look at a $600,000 a year program. We go, Oh my gosh, like that yeah. is a big expense. Yes, it is. However, every restorative care campus location, safe home is building a pattern for the year, you know, years and days and generations to come. And so there's a principle called economies of scale, hmm. right? And so right now, because everyone's in this building, this pioneering phase, we're figuring it out. Yeah, um, yeah. There's not a lot of community resources, number one. Well, there's not a lot of community awareness, number one, about sure. mental health or complex trauma or um, PTSD that comes from prostitution or trafficking, right? So we're kind of building all of those things as we go along. And so we believe in 
having an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. And that's why I'm kind of, it's going to sound like I'm getting off topic, but I'm going to bring it back around. Um, We believe that, um, we believe in collaboration. Like we believe in um, building these programs so that we can eventually give them away freely, you know, and multiply. So everything that we do is replicable and it's scalable. And so right now a $600,000 a year program it's a big expense for us, number one. Um, but in, in right now, let me back up. Just hard numbers. That serves anywhere from six to ten adult women yeah. a year. Yeah. And so we have to think about that is that's twenty four seven care. That's all the household expenses. That's all educational expenses. That's all medical, dental, psychiatric care. That's food, shelter, clothing. That's keeping the lights on. That's transportation costs. That's every level of um, um, economic recovery, legal advocacy that they need going to court. You know, all of these things that surround just uh, what it takes to live a healthy lifestyle that have been completely drained or robbed or stolen or broken for this individual's livelihood. Um, And so we are coming alongside of them kind of as a guide, kind of as a partner, saying, looking at her life holistically and going, okay, what, what gaps do you need filled and how can we help you build in those gaps so that we can address every single vulnerability that led you to this trafficking situation in the first place? And so, yeah, it's a lot of money to rebuild someone's life. Sure. But we also believe in the highest level um, of care for each individual. And, you know, one time we were told, <laughs> and I completely understand where these people were coming from, we were told that... Um, the, the individual cost was too high. Yeah. I, get, I, I totally get it. I the understand. The cost, cost per client. Right. Yeah. However, <clears throat> you look at how much it costs for you and myself to live, sure. right? And you're like, well, it doesn't cost me $100,000. It doesn't cost me $80,000 a year to live. But are you going to psychiatric care treatments? Do you have complex PTSD? Do you have a variety of medications? Do you Is your credit completely destroyed because yeah. your pimp stole your identity? Like, all of these things is your physical body wrecked and ravaged because of the trauma that you've endured over yeah. years, maybe decades. Yeah. So you really can't compare apples to apples. It's not the same. Um, and so the other thing I would say is it's 24 seven oversight, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a variety of staffing needs. And here's another place where we believe we're setting the bar for, um, I think nonprofits, but mm-hmm. maybe, and, and let, let me back up, let me back up. Lots of nonprofits are setting this bar, so we're not a pioneer sure. in this. But um, I, we have heard multiple times from multiple different people um, that staffing costs, sh- staff should be either, they should raise their own support or they should live like impoverished missionaries. Yeah. I mean, honestly, those yeah. are the terms no, we that we get, right? Yeah. And so unfortunately, I completely disagree <laughs> with those um, claims. And here's why. Because we don't want to sacrifice the level of care and the level of support that's needed for the women that we are actually serving on Absolutely. a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And what we found is like any business is going to find this, like the level, the quality of the individual that you have in your staff is going to determine the quality of output. Yeah. All of these things that people are, we have to train our staff really, really well in, sure. um, in order to deliver a very excellent quality of care. And so not only that, but they're encountering 
very, very difficult circumstances on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis. And there's a level of secondary trauma, there's a level of vicarious trauma that we want to mitigate for our, for our staff, for yeah. our team, so that we can keep these people on staff for a long time, hopefully, right? Yeah, and so right. we need to A, pay them a living wage. We need to provide them the mental and emotional and spiritual support that they're inevitably going to need after encountering these very difficult stories of trauma Absolutely. on a repeated basis. And so that was a very kind of complex, long-winded answer to your question, um, but it's a very complex solution yeah. to be able to serve adequately, adequately the needs of the, the survivors that we're serving in our care. No, I think it's an excellent response. Um, and as one of your employees, thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> um, you know, and like, I, I, as, as you say all that, I'm reminded of the Good Samaritan. Uh, the, the story, the, the parable that Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan, um, and, you know, in Luke 10. And one of the things that stands out to me is the Good Samaritan comes along and sees this individual uh, lying in a ditch mm-hmm. that multiple people have already passed by. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, you know, some of our listeners are probably very familiar with this story. Mm-hmm. It's religious leaders, it's political leaders, it's these people of very yeah. high stature in the community and they go to the other side of the road yeah. or they pass by. Um, but the Samaritan comes along and and literally helps the individual who's broken and beaten and who has nothing left helps them exit the depth of that uh, destruction that they've experienced in their mm-hmm. lives. Not uh, from their own hands either. Not from their own hands. No, enough. right, yeah. right. They were oppressed. They mm-hmm. were beaten. They were taken advantage of yeah. in the worst kind of way, right? And the Good Samaritan comes along, helps exit that person, and then, that's not the story doesn't end there, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Puts him on the back of his own donkey, or whatever the pack animal was, and takes that individual to safe housing. Yeah, that's right. And then that's, that's right. not where the story ends either, right? Right. And then goes to the innkeeper and says, hey, look, here's I'm going to fund the care, the restorative care, the medical care, yeah. the housing, the, the food that's for this so individual. That's so true, Adam. And then, <laughs> that's so true. That's not where the story ends, right? And then he says something to the effect of, you know, I, I should have pulled up the scripture, but something to the effect of, and if there's any other cost, when I get back, it's on me. I, I got it covered. Yeah. And so you said earlier, and this is this is kind of a quote that we've been throwing around all year, like, at any cost, every life deserves to be restored, if I said that properly. Um, that's the story that we see, and, and it's, it's Jesus that tells that parable. Yeah. And at the end of it, he says, love your neighbor, mm. and that's how you inherit eternal life. Wow. And so the call is to the Good Samaritans. Yeah, that's right. Good. Yeah, not that you or I are the Good Samaritan. Right, I mean, right. we, we strive to be right. I mean, that, that, that's, that's like that's why we do this work mm-hmm. because we see the person in the ditch, mm-hmm. so to speak. I feel like we're the innkeeper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like we're obviously in our own personal life. We, uh, you know, there's other ways that we in- inhabit that yeah. embody that Good Samaritan, but. I feel like in this story, in this work, we are in the role of the innkeeper. We're just saying, thank you for your gift. Thank you for this. this, You're entrusting us, not just with your gift, but also with the women that we're serving. And we're merging those two worlds. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) That's powerful. Um, So that's where the resources go. That's right. We've talked about stewardship. We've talked about the allocation of where all that goes. Um, What about 2021? 
what are, what's on the horizon? Um, what are some key goals mm-hmm. for the upcoming year? And we don't have to give everything, but mm-hmm. you know, our staff is in the, in the midst of strategic planning for the next year. We're in the midst of budget, you know, drafting right now. Um, so I know you don't have, yeah, <laughs> I know you don't have all the answers to sure. this question, yeah. but as, as you kind of look at the landscape, as you look at the organization, as you kind of reflect back on the year and you're anticipating the next year to come, what are some upcoming goals? And then like, what type of funding is going to be needed to achieve those goals? Okay. So really quickly, I can tell you that a base level of around hundred, uh, I'm sorry, one point three to $1.7 million a year is going to be our annual, what we need to raise for 2021. For 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I would say 1.3 is like base and then 1.7 would be like, Hey, we have, we can do a couple more things, right? Had a couple, a little bit more. Um, but that's kind of base level, you know, everything that we do. One thing is that if you know us at all, (laughs) well, number one, I love to talk about the future and vision because we have no lack of vision. Um, But also those visions aren't just dreams. They're actually backed by hard data, Mm. research and numbers. And so um, we have never lacked whenever we've put those plans you know, even if we say, okay, well, we don't know when we can execute this, but we're putting this in front of us. And yeah. we're also asking God and we're asking our supporters to help back this. Right. Yeah. And so little by little, we start taking those grant, that ground, taking the steps to meet that vision, yeah. um, daily effort, right. Daily execution gets you to that big dream. So, um, but we're only limited to get to execute those dreams by funding mm. and by time. Those are the only two things, because if we had all the funding in the world right now, it would still take time to build out the infrastructure, the systems, the training, the hiring, all of those things. Now, of course, we could do (laughs) many, many more things in the years to come. However, um, just but both of those things are a constraint, right? And they're healthy constraints. And so even the Lord, when he gave the Israelites like the promised land, he gave it to them little by little by little. And I see that's even how the Lord is working in Elijah rising. So to answer your question, you know, in the next, I'll speak to the next two years. Sure. Because I think this next year, 2020 was supposed to be a year of strengthening and stabilizing. So we had launched five different programs in uh, 2019, (laughs) which our team was like seven people at the time. (laughs) So it was kind of crazy. And so 2020, we said, you know what? We need to strengthen. We need to stabilize. We need to make sure everything is running a tickety boo, you know, every, all, every, whatever. And two months in, a global pandemic hits. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I think that goal has moderately been met, but there's been a lot of pivoting, a lot of changing, a lot of rewriting goals. So 2021 is coupled with growth and expansion, like moderate growth and expansion, but a lot of strengthening and stabilizing. And predominantly we're going to be focused on the strengthening, strengthening and stabilizing our program in a very significant way, because in the next two years, we want to be able to serve women with children. Yeah. And that's a big goal. It's a big audacious goal. Um, but it's a really important one. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we've had on our, on our plate, if you will, on the burners, <laughs> you know, mm. that we've had to be, like move around on the burners of priority because of the things like the p- pandemic and, and internal external forces. Funding um, and time. Yeah. Funding and t- perfect. Yes. Yeah. Funding and time. Um, and so, but I believe that in the next two years that that is a dream that's going to be realized. And so, um, you know, again, that 
is really a funding issue. That's a really a funding issue. We're going to build, um, in the time aspect, we are building uh, the SOPs, the manuals, the curriculum that we're working towards licensing. Like we're doing all those things on the back end. Yeah, our due diligence. Yes, absolutely. So that we can say to the Lord mm-hmm. and to our supporters, like, okay, we have actually built this framework and now we're asking you, Lord, to fill it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so um, that's going forward with or without the money in the in the bank account, so sure. to speak. And so I believe that in a sense, if you build it, <laughs> the funding will come, will come yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of our key goals. We always want to increase awareness efforts. Um, we're revitalizing, revamping our van tours. So we're building like a more digital kind of multimedia experience um, in 2021. And then obviously increasing and, and being more strategic mm. about intervention effort or outreach yeah, efforts. Yeah. Because we are in a digital age. And so while there are so many women who are being physically sold on the street, there are women who are being sold online. Yeah. Um, and so we want to work to just continually innovate and see how we can better reach and better collaborate with some of our NGOs to reach, restore, exit those women. Um, and so, you know, and alongside of that, some of the smaller goals are we're moving into a new space. We're opening up a second iteration of the museum. Yeah. Um, I could keep going on and on, <laughs> but I think that's good for now. Um, We have to keep growing. Otherwise, we have to keep innovating. We have to keep growing. It's a business principle. If you don't grow, you're becoming obsolete and outdated. And so that's something that we're doing. However, we also understand that you can't grow unsustainably, right? Like there's sustainable strategic growth that's, that's... coming out of the place of wisdom. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're not just growing for the sake of growing. And like, we want to get all these notches on our belt and make our annual review, like amazing. Like sure. we are growing for the sake of our mission, which is reaching restoring and impacting lives on a daily basis. And so we want to build coming back to that stewardship, mm. right? Like we want to build a foundation for not just again, our annual strategies to look awesome or whatever, meet whatever goals we have, we're building a foundation and organization that's going to outlast us. And so we want to build it um, missionally. We want to build it responsibly and we want to build it wisely. Um, Something that will outlast us, something that will sustain throughout generations. And people have done it. They have done it. And so we can do it too. Yeah. I think that was so well said. Um, And I'm fired up. (laughs) Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. All we need is funding and time. That's right. Um, well, Micah, I appreciate the conversation. I just think it's so important for the, our followers and our donors and our partners, our volunteers to just kind of hear this information. You know, I've, I've pitched this episode to the team a couple of times and said, we've got to get this in. I, it might not be the most viewed episode of the podcast, but (laughs) I think it's just so critical back to the stewardship piece, back Mm. to the transparency piece to just let people know, like, this is, this is us. This is all, everything's on the table here. Um, yeah. And the only thing I ahead. would add to that is we really are out on the table. Like if you have questions, if you want to see further, if you want to dig into the numbers more, you can reach us, yep. right? All of our information is, I mean, there's stuff in the show notes. There's stuff on our website, ElijahRising.org. You can reach out to either one of us at any time. Yeah, absolutely. Adam at ElijahRising.org, Micah at ElijahRising.org. Hey, and if you're enjoying the podcast, would you just click that subscribe button uh, and then tell a friend, share it with somebody? Um, 
post about it, talk about it. And if there's something that's inspired you or like a question that you have, uh, that maybe Micah, you know, sparked a question in your head, would you ask it, ask us your questions? I mean, this episode was 100% crafted in my brain because a donor asked these questions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I said, let's do it. Um, so follow us on Instagram, Facebook, um, join our text line, uh, subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, iTunes. And if you're listening, go watch this episode on YouTube. Uh, also we've said it a bunch of times. I want to say it one more time. Thank you. I'm going to say thank you one more time. Absolutely. Let's say thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, And if you're considering, if you're kind of in that space where you're like, well, I want to be a part of this, um, I just want to encourage you, take the the dive. Um, A a $10 a month donation uh, to become a sustaining partner of Elijah Rising really does make a massive impact and changes everything for us. Um, So you can go to ElijahRising.org and do that today. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Elijah Rising podcast.